Certainly, science is telling us where this disease will progress and how it will progress over time. Certainly, the social sciences are telling us the economic disaster that is occurring down 20% this quarter alone, our GDP is expected to be. It is policymakers' decision to put on our big boy and big girl pants and say, this is the lesser of these two evils, and it is not zero evil, but it is the lesser of these evils, and we intend to move forward that direction. That is our responsibility, and to abdicate that is to insult the Americans that voted us into office. Dr. Oz, help us. Well, first, we need our mojo back. Let's start with things that are really critical to the nation where we think we might be able to open without getting into a lot of trouble. I tell you, schools are a very appetizing opportunity. Uh, I just saw a nice piece in The Lancet arguing that the opening of schools may only cost us 2 to 3% in terms of total mortality. And, you know, that's any life is a life lost. But to get every child back into a school where they're safely being educated, being fed, uh, and making the most out of their lives with a theoretical risk on the backside, uh, it might be a trade-off some folks would consider. Well, Laura, they never are, and thank you for having me on, and thank you for giving a voice to this, because it's so very important. This is invisible. I can't show you an X-ray of depression. I can't show you an X-ray of anxiety, but the fact of the matter is, the longer this lockdown goes on, the more vulnerable people get, and it's like there's a tipping point. There's a point at which people start having enough problems in lockdown that it will actually create more destruction and actually more death across time than the actual virus will itself. Our community is struggling. My husband is on unemployment for the first time in our life. And it's unwillingly that we're taking unemployment. We want to go back to work. We have employees. We have paychecks to issue. We have bills to pay. The only stores open are Walmart? That's ridiculous. That's why we're here. It's time for our state to be opened up. We're tired of not being able to buy the things that we need, go to the hairdressers, get our hair done. It's time to open up. I would like to know about some of these areas that uh, you'd like to open up some of these quadrants. You singled out Virginia, Michigan. They don't have a decline in cases yet. Yet you tweeted out today that you'd like to liberate them. Well, they're going to have soon, but they're very, 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 what they've done is very powerful in terms of, I, I think, you know, you could get the same result out of doing a little bit less. What they've done to some people is very unfair. If you take a look at what's going on in Virginia, they want to take away Second Amendment rights, and that's what they want to do. So when you talk about liberate or if you talk about liberation, you could certainly look at Virginia as one. Go ahead. Anybody else? Shop Shop listeners, was the Death Cult Capitalism Tabernacle Choir performing live from the New York Metropolitan Opera. Thanks, I hate it. This is Mills Silver, and with me today is Doc Spider. Um, uh, unfortunately, saying 
Helen will not be joining us today. Yes. The cause of the problem um, is excess surge protection. Ah, shit. That's the wrong excuse generator. Again. <laughs> so, um, welcome, everyone. She'll be back. She'll be back. Um, she'll be yelling at friends soon. But... And so, where should we start? I guess we should start with the the deaf cult capitalism. I mean, oh my god. That was some of the most shameless shit they've done so far. Like, they wheeled out Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil because they couldn't find someone with the word doctor in front of their name who was willing to be like, yeah, I will totally and needlessly endanger people and fall on my sword to make you happy, Mr. President. I mean, it's like, the thing with the matter is, is they're like, well, you know, the economy has to be restarted. We have to, acceptable losses, collateral damage. This is a war. Um, since when was this a war? How do you? How the fuck do you fight a virus? The, the same way you fight drugs, I guess. I, that this wouldn't be the first time the United States went. Yeah, we're declaring war on terror. It's like yeah, so we're going to go after an abstract concept because the only thing the federal government understands is blowing people up. So they are usually very good at that. Um. <laughs> Not so much anymore, because they're going to adopt the F-35, and then that will be the end of all Imperial Adventures, where they bomb people, because those things can't even take off in the rain. How do they think they'll fight the wars? It's all like, they're all sitting here going, we want to, like, Trump is saying the new target date is May 1st. Texas and Florida are promising to reopen by next week like by this coming week it's and they're all saying the same fucking bullshit and we've been talking about this for like coming up on like six episodes now like including that time when we talked about rick santelli and thought that was just a fucking joke our bad we didn't think anyone would take him seriously i don't know Well, I mean, what what else are they going to do? Like, like it or not, you know, economic activity has to resume at some point. Money has to start flowing again. Or, you know, this whole capitalism business is all for naught. Like, that's that's the ide- that's the ideology that we're locked into now. You know? That ideology is like the irresistible force that's slamming headfirst into the immovable object called all capital is created by labor. And labor has been withdrawn from the global economy on an unprecedented scale. So, no, it's not the fucking CEOs that are creating the jobs. It's not the fucking stockbrokers and the hedge fund people. It's just, you know, people. 
doing shit that makes things and stuff that you can sell. And, I mean, the Tories were talking about herd immunity. Um, Boris Johnson had that coronavirus scare. I mean, I, I agree with, like, the Intifada crew that maybe we should have Maybe we should have been more doomer and more pessimistic about it. We should have been like, you know, oh, Boris Johnson, he's probably going to be fine. They've got the the best NHS people, um, you know, taken off of other cases. They're going to give him a ventilator, no questions asked. I We, we should have been totally fucking doomer about it. So yeah, but, you know, times like this, you gotta take what you can get. And there <laughs> would have just been nothing sweeter than to see one of the high priests of the death cult, like, actually die on the altar. That would have just been so, like, it wouldn't have, I mean, to be clear, it would not have, like, dampened their enthusiasm any. Like, in fact, I guarantee if Boris Johnson had actually died of COVID-19, the first thing that would have happened is Dominique Robb would have said, we can't let our prime minister have died in vain. Like, of course, he'd be the new PM because he'd be the last one standing in the knife fight that would follow in number 10 Downing Street. And, and, like, he'd be standing there, like, dripping in blood, being like, we can't to let Boris's sacrifice have been in vain and then he'll like come up with something even more fucking like Tory insane than like Boris could have ever dreamed of and if you were hoping for electoralism to save you I mean I'm sorry we we saw the we saw those fucking leaks too I didn't, I didn't read any of them mind you um most of what I've read is secondhand, but it was, it was so... I was living in the UK while the 2019 election campaign was going down. And I will say up front, like two things, mm-hmm. like two things I will say up front is first I was living in Scotland. So what I was seeing was a bit different than what you see in the rest of the UK. Um, to like put it, like to give you a really simple mm-hmm. like sports based way of explaining it when england last made it all the way to like the top four in the world cup the reception for the english team which is nominally part of the same united kingdom as scotland in the pubs in glasgow was kind of like oh yes jolly good well done there and just sort of like you know polite applause and all that shit but when it was scotland playing a qualifying round not even like you know one that would allow them to get into the world cup at all everybody in the pub was standing up and going oh flower of scotland when will they see so you know that that there is it's a little bit skewed there um i mean you will get like i was I, i've been randomly stopped like in the time i was living there like i could easily like name half a dozen times i've been like just chit-chatting with like some random friendly scottish person like on the train or in the pub or something and not even like you know the meme three beers later nah this would be like one beer later and they'll already be like you know thatcher really ruined this country so you know no i mean can you blame totally them? not but you can know you just blame them at all just putting that out there that you know i may not have get, been getting like the most representative sense of what was going on in the uk but i was actually there for this and it was just astonishing the way the press was just wall to wall 
dogpiling on Jeremy Corbyn. Like, even The Guardian, which is supposed to be nominally a left-leaning pro-labor newspaper, was occasionally... I mean, granted, Corbyn and the Labor Party made mistakes. There were unforced errors in the campaign. Absolutely. But... Mm-hmm. That does not change the fact that there were two different university studies, one from the London School of Economics and the other from University of Loughborough, that concluded that the press was act- in the UK was actively biased against Jeremy Corbyn to an extent that was dangerous to the health of British democracy. Um, and there were yeah. rumors of shit going on inside the Labour Party from the 2017 elections, which was, like, right before I came over. And there were, like, there were stories about, like, aides inside the Labour HQ who were, like, specifically, like, spending money to run ads that were targeted specifically at Corbyn, so it looked like they were following orders and all kinds of, like, really weird, wild shit coming out so like for anyone who was like paying Mm -hmm. attention to those elections and watching what was happening from like a left-wing perspective none of what was in this report is really surprising it's mostly like yeah that kind of proves what everyone suspected the whole time that the blairites were stabbing the corbinites in the back and were perfectly happy with putting Theresa may back in number 10 and uh, keeping and putting boris johnson in and that's that's completely inexcusable you know like so it's like my my feeling about it is like the uk is fucked because like you know we're not ready obviously and the the only electoralist option has just you know completely fucked itself and you know, the Tories now get a blank check to do whatever the fuck they want. Because who who's going to stop them? The fucking Lib Dems? Fuck no. Like, the last time the Lib Dems had anything to do with Tory policy, they helped make it happen. Like, they were the ones who were pushing the most extreme shit in austerity. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like... Yeah, you like, they're, they're basically like the fucking Libertarians, yeah, but actually have seats and pretend to matter. And... But now it's, yeah, there's nothing that's going to stop Boris Johnson from doing whatever the fuck he wants at this point, especially because he has caught the virus, actually went into a ventilator and came out. Like, it doesn't matter that there was just a piece that came out from the Times of London that very comprehensively showed that he was completely asleep at the switch, that he was not paying attention, and then when shit was actually going down, he was like, oh, that conflicts with me, like, fucking off to the Caribbean for a vacation, or I don't work weekends, or just all kinds of, like, the kind of shit you would expect for, like, some fucking tough-ass Tory prick like him to put forward as excuses not to do his fucking job. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's plenty of evidence that this guy was criminally incompetent. And, you know, probably to an extent, I wouldn't be surprised if some, if it came out that some of that incompetence was because somebody was like slipping Malthus under his pillow and whispering into his ear before he went to bed about decreasing the surplus population. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's also a factor because his brain, Dominic Cummings, who's this absolutely nasty little rat fucker that's, like, churned out from the same lab that made Steve Bannon and Carl Rove and Lee Atwater. Um, 
it was like supposedly in leaks from cabinet meetings was saying oh yeah well we can just let the pensioners die off they're a drain on the economy anyway so i mean you know i wouldn't be surprised if there was malicious intent behind that incompetence i'm not you know for legal purposes i am not saying there was because we of course do not have proof of such an allegation but you know oh yeah no i mean this is this is the kind of shit that comes out um when it comes out, either, you know, because some great journalist, the last of them, sacrificed their careers to get the scoop, or Freedom of Information Act, previous yeah. governments. <laughs> you know, when the when the Republic of... <laughs> like, in this case, when, like, you know, the um, Scottish Free State <laughs> Rangers... Uh, in conjunction with the uh, reformed Irish Republican Army and the Plaid Cymru Guard, uh, successfully storm London in, con- in conjunction with the Manchester Red Militia, and <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it's going to take. Um, and if we move fast enough on number ten, um, well, they, you know, parody in a video game in minecraft um if they move on the offices quickly enough they might not have shredded all of the notes and you know the thing about hard drives is you have to like go to a serious effort to make those irrecoverable you know like dunking it in water and throwing it in the freezer and like hitting it with a hammer kind of shit you know things that take things like that (laughs) Uh, the microwave trick does work, but it will kill your microwave. All these things take trunks, about as much so. time as flushing your weed down the toilet. So, you know, just to give a sense of context. So it's like, but yeah, we have this, like, <sighs> what's happening there is also happening in the U.S. Of You're having, like, the fucking murder cult and the suicide cult. Here. Like, the fucking Blairites were the suicide cult in the U.K. That went, no, we will throw ourselves on the altars of the Golden Bull to make the stonks happy because Jeremy Corbyn is making the London Stock Exchange give us a frowny face and we don't like that frowny face. Like, it's so embarrassing at parties and shit. And then you've got fucking Joe Biden in the DNC in the US. Who became basically, you know, that tweet that popped up after 2016 when there, someone was like, you know, the Democrats are going to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, we got to get more racist. Well, guess what? They did. They did. Because Biden is going all in on xenophobia. Something like that. Sinophobia? I don't know. I mean, it's just like, yeah. But yeah. It's another chapter in this really, like, disgusting thing called modern American political history. And Democrats trying to be more bloodthirsty than Republicans. Yeah. It's just like... It's so fucking, and this is this is why you should not concern yourself with electoral politics. Well, like I mean, right now, maybe state and local. I mean, on the state or local level, like pay attention to ballot initiatives and things like that. Recall elections are an amazing thing, and something like twenty six American states have them. You know, just saying. It doesn't take much to trigger one. Mm -hmm. Also, just saying. And also saying it doesn't take much to get something on the ballot. So, you know. 
But as far as the federal situation goes, I'm afraid that's we've lost yeah. the executive. Like whoever whoever wins, and, we lose. And this shit that's coming down um, now, and even that Biden is not really disputing it at all, is just it's more of mm-hmm. like this is a drumbeat that we've been hearing ever since the fucking Daily Telegraph ran that article saying, you know, all the old people dropping dead would actually be good for the economy, like, back at the beginning of March. And then, like, about a week later, Rick Santelli goes on CNBC, the same fuck who supposedly started the Tea Party by ranting at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Like, that same asshole. So, you know, may a couple on us. We really should have seen it coming, that people would actually listen to this prick. Um... And like I said, our bad. Yeah. And then it just kept snowballing from there. If you've got Donald Trump saying where well, you got to reopen the country, you've got all these like economic pundits saying they're going to reopen the country. You had like Larry Kudlow, the chief of the White House Economic Advisors Council saying that like a couple weeks ago. And and also I would like to say on record that if at the next at Larry Kudlow's next like notable public appearance instead of giving like his attempt at some kind of slurry interview he instead goes full on I'm Larry Kudlow and I do cocaine I called it <laughs> just goes totally goes total rock so call it now Larry Kudlow's gonna yeah, just total. He gets total Roxo pill. <laughs> yeah, like Larry Kudlow's gonna go full Roxo before this is over. I'm calling it now. I mean, Larry, we've tried. We've like we've been the voice of compassion and reason here, but you know, get your shit together, dude. Seriously, just get your shit together. Uh, at this point, we're saying we told you so. Yep. But like, it's. You've got, but these guys have all been in there, even though they're like fucking disease and like fucking brainworm infested. They're all mm-hmm. passing on the same message. We've got to reopen the economy. You have to die for number. Why won't you die for number? You're a bad consumer. You're a bad worker. You, you can even see that with the fucking death cultists that were out. Like, that, I mean, that's kind of fucking creepy that that's even a thing now. Like, the death cult has actually become a thing. Yeah. And it, it should be noted, like, a lot of this is astroturf. Like, I mean, I don't doubt that there are some people who are, like, legit upset that, you know, um, they can't be enough of a small business tyrant because their Ski-Doo uh, dealership is closed. But... Get over it. We're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. A lot of people are going to die. A lot more people are going to die if you if you pull this shit. Like that's that's the bottom line. Yeah, like we don't know what like this has to be said and this we've said this before and in all seriousness for a moment we're going to say this again. There is not sufficiently good quality data on the spread of COVID-19 in the United States of America to make any definitive statements about how many people have been infected and what the current mortality rate is. Full stop. 
there is simply not enough testing. If you were going to use a data set that was as limited and suspect as the ones that health officials are being forced to work with, under normal circumstances, if you tried to present that kind of data as the foundation for a research project, you would be laughed out of the room. This needs to be emphasized. Like, nobody yeah. has good data right now. I mean, I don't know. New York City might, but that's... I think a lot of that is because, you know, they're they're so far into this crisis that, like, they might as well just release it. Yeah. And it's... the thing. Like, and in, even then, there's some indication that they are undercounting. Mm-hmm. And because, of course, I mean, nobody's nobody. Uh, what they're doing is they're just letting people who code die half the time. Because I mean, if you've got COVID, chances are, if you're gonna code on the table, there's there's no bringing you back because. It fucks up your heart. It fucks up your lungs. Um, and they they simply don't have the equipment or the time or the bed space to really do heroic measures. Yeah. And that's, it, that's, that's the bottom line. That's where we're at. And that's what Donald Trump and that fucking prick Trey fucking trey he is like the most like country club asshole ever what's his name again trey something or other whatever his name doesn't fucking matter he's some like republican shit stick in congress i'm saying we have to like say trey hamilton but something like that i mean he's a trey that's all you need to know um he's fucking trey trey mcplantation something like that (laughs) yeah no 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 he's more like trey mccarr the dealership He's not that old money. <laughs> he wants to be Trey McPlantation. So yeah, Trey is all like, we gotta like have like a trade-off between like lesser of the two evils is letting people fucking die. And then they like scrape yeah. out two fucking has-been quacks on Fox. Like, I can't believe they did that. I mean, that's like Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. What the fuck? Isn't... I mean, I know their specialties aren't even... Anywhere near epidemiology. Like, like Dr. Phil is like a clinical psychologist, so I mean, I guess he could yammer on about the potential mental health impacts of extended confinement, but, you know, there's no relevant research for this, because there isn't. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if this were... If this were a piece about, yeah, people are going fucking stir-crazy on a large fucking scale, and this is getting ridiculous um like yeah maybe he has something to say but this is epidemiology is not his strong suit like and and dr oz is just straight up a fucking quack like oh yeah like this is no secret this guy is a fucking snake oil salesman and like i'm fairly sure the doctor in front of his name has an asterisk somewhere in there because it's just yeah, I think um, I think he was like a cardiologist at one point. Yeah, but still, like, I know more about epidemiology than he does from doing a fucking seminar on the Black Death. Go figure. 
By the way, just to be clear, I did not choose to do that seminar. It's what was on offer. I'm not that much of a freak. Um, <laughs> I mean, why the fuck would they bring these two guys out? Because they're totally like, like nobody should be asking them for medical advice. Like, why the hell are they bringing these guys out? Yeah, it's just, I don't even, I don't even know. It's just so out of hand. And it's like, looping back on the whole, um, the protests, like, so a lot of that, um, uh, somebody did some basic who is investigation, and I'm pretty sure that by this point, they've all been, you know, uh, they've all had, you know, identity protection applied because, you know, it's tricky to set up like a whole bunch of state domains and city domains to push, you know, an identical agenda. Um, Especially not when you've already got your established astroturfing Koch brothers, Betsy DeVos orgs ready to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is like this, this stuff doesn't come out of thin air. Um, but it's not an organic, legitimate movement. Um, Usually it's tied into like existing reactionary protest networks and uh, things of that nature. You know, cue people. Um, we know there's proud boys out there. People with like, you know, like terminal boomer mindset, the usual reactionary skidoo dealership guy or whatever mattress sales people. <laughs> like exactly the people who are the base of fascism historically speaking and yeah. trump's base now like like you see this that and this is not even like not making this shit up yeah. when you look at people like robert paxton and shit who study this stuff they yeah. all say demographically speaking the backbone of the nazi party were not pissed off poor people they were pissed off shop owners and sole proprietors and just sort of like you know petite bourgeoisie upper middle class like small business owners that's like exactly who are the backbone of the nazi party and that's who was out in michigan and in like well like nothing says it better than like the biggest protest in uh, this shit in california was in huntington beach also known as the posh as fuck suburb of orange county that is famous for breeding neo-nazi skinheads yeah it's like, like that's the caliber of people you're dealing with. Yeah, like there were like multiple examples of like people running around with signs going, This is the real disease and a totally not insanely anti Semitic yeah. picture of like a rat with a like Jewish person's head or other like, oh wow, that is so Third Reich. I mean, it's like you gotta remember the whole economic anxiety thing. Economic anxiety is why people didn't fucking vote in 2016. Because, like, you've got bigger concerns. Yeah, that's like actual precarity. When they're talking about the economic anxiety of Trump people, it's they're not doing as well this year as they did last year, and the socialists want to take their toothbrush. Yeah, Uh, that or, you know, they're leveraged up to their fucking eyeballs in either illegal leases because 
let's be clear, like, there is no way most of those Airbnb assholes have, like, legit leases that allow short-term rental. Because, you know, fucking nobody wants to do that. That, or they're so fucking jacked up on property that they're, you know, fucking over-leveraged and they want a bailout. They want a fucking bailout for reducing the housing supply. Yeah, these are the people who see the problem as they're not... that They played by the rules, kind of, and they're supposed to be rewarded because they played by the rules and they colored inside the box and they did what you were supposed to do as a good American. They got their passive income and now they don't have it. And in fact, it's starting to cost them money. And, oh my god, like, how dare you not bail us out? Um, I mean, some places, you know, they gave mortgage, um, uh, mortgage moratoriums, but not fucking (laughs) rent ones. Like, good god. Yeah, like, there's, even with the fuckery that's been going on, like, certain levels of fuckery that have been going on in California... At least, like, San Francisco and a number of other major municipalities have done rent and mortgage holidays. Or at least as much as they possibly can. Yeah. And it's just, everything about this is just... And the New York State Legislature is actively trying. It's just fucking Andrew Cuomo, who the fucking suicide cult is busy creaming their pants over, is standing in the way of doing something that makes perfect sense i mean for fuck's sake the imf is openly talking about debt forgiveness as the only way out of a potential sovereign debt crisis because of the covid shutdowns yeah i mean it's like it's bad the housing crisis was bad enough it's like it's been 12 years since that happened and i mean if you think that things have genuinely improved at this point for you know the real heads if you still don't think that we are in you know total fucking doomsday economics you need your head examined i'm sorry i mean when the people whose job is (laughs) to whack governments south of the equator for looking too pink are proposing something that is significantly to the left of what any of the countries they helped absolutely rat fuck in the 70s and 80s proposed. When that's what's going on, when the ultimate gangsters of capitalism are going, well, I guess we can hold off on protection money this year. And Andrew Cuomo is saying... No, we're not doing a rent holiday because a mortgage holiday is good enough. Like, that is suicide cult shit. So, it's not all bad news, though. Like, there have been protests in LA, San Francisco. Uh, We talked about it some on the um, bonus episode uh, with Cover. Um, And it looks like they were right. Yeah. They did. And these are not the same thing as what you're seeing going on with the fucking death cultists, because they're coming out saying shit like, I want to get my hair did, or I want to go shopping, or 
I want to, like, run my petty, like, business tyranny shit. This is people yeah. going, like, how's the fucking homeless, you ass faces? Yeah. And we need rent mor- uh, moratoriums. Like, we... Like, they're... Uh, and, you know, they're actually being responsible, socially distancing and all that, which is partly why the bodies on the ground are so thin because there's only so many people you can pack in when everyone has to stand six feet away from each other. And they're not doing absurdly stupid fucking bullshit like blockading a hospital with their car like certain far-right assholes did in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, fuck you. I I just, like, just to rant for a minute, like... I've been involved in a lot of different street actions, and one thing that's sort of an unspoken just thing that you do that I saw happen in Occupy and have seen happen in, like, other mass actions is if there's a fucking ambulance or, like, firefighters... I mean, fuck the police. They don't count as emergency personnel. But, like, if an ambulance or, like, firefighters or something are coming through, you open up a path for them. Full stop. Those are people doing life-saving work. You don't fucking blockade hospitals. You don't do shit like that. Like, I don't fucking care what Fox News claims. You don't... You just don't do that. And literally, I've never seen anyone pull that bullshit. Yes. Yes. And... It's like... There is nothing I can say about them that will... I don't want to visit from, you know, interested parties. But I will say that... Fuck off. Never do that again, you sick little fucks. You should have all been forcibly towed, and your cars should have been crushed. Not with you inside, no. You should have to watch your fucking $50,000 SUV get stuffed in a fucking car crusher. Fuck them. And and this was not what was happening in LA and San Francisco, like we were saying. This was people saying things like, hey, city government, you said you're going to house all the homeless people in those empty hotels. Get fucking to it. Or people saying we need a rent and mortgage holiday and all this other like these are people who are genuinely saying we need these things so we don't fucking end up like dying in a gutter and and these ass faces over in michigan are literally blocking hospitals because they can't get their hair did yeah or because well you know It's just total fucking boomer mindset. It's they, they are, I mean, we were saying last, like the last couple weeks about the death cult capitalists getting capitalist sainthood by getting other people to go up in the man. And we've just found the people that are going to go up in the capitalist wicker man. Here's a hint. We call them Karens. Kyle, the skidoo owner. Maybe there's like a silver lining from this, assuming they don't manage to infect a whole bunch of people who have no business suffering because of their like fuckmongery. But they are not social distancing at all in any of these pictures. 
like along with being hilariously criminally negligent by blockading fucking hospitals they are like standing next to each other maybe like one in five people in these pictures is actually wearing a mask and it's some flimsy ass little like paper thing um like probably not an n95 or an n99 um or anything i wouldn't be surprised if like some of the you know if some of the militia types weren't wearing gas masks but that means they can't pose for the camera and look all like heroic like the wolverines gas masks just don't look good that's very true um that's very true and it makes them look like those commies so you know like us (laughs) (laughs) because we like breathing and not dying of plague well, I mean, you know, it it all depends. Like, I mean, in fairness, they've probably never been on the receiving end of tear gas and anger, whereas, you know. <laughs> yeah. And just, it, it's I a mean, struggle it's like, just to get parking lot in front of the Red Lobster without having an yeah. aneurysm or a heart attack. Yeah. And I guess... We need to go on to just where a little something happened recently. Oh um, yeah, this is like so. This is like, I mean, we have no pop culture frame of reference for this. There's there really isn't a good historical frame of reference for this, like what we're about to be reading, and right. like, and before we read this, I like. I would like to stress, this is from the New England Journal of Medicine, which is one of the most prestigious medical publications on the fucking planet. Like, it's them and, like, The Lancet and, like, three or four other, like, really big publications that if they're saying something about medical shit, then it's the Bible. Pretty much? Like, it, it is the Quran. It is as was recited unto Allah. It's... You know. So that this was a thing. And this is like this puts the fucking Jar Jar Banks shit with the pat with the New England Patriots owner to shame. Is yeah. this letter that was published as of April seventeenth, titled In Pursuit of PPE beginning with as follows it is written by andrew w arnstein who is a doctor at with bay state health in springfield massachusetts as a chief physician executive i rarely get involved in my health system's supply chain activities the covid 19 pandemic has changed that Protecting our caregivers is essential so that these talented professionals can safely provide compassionate care to our patients. Yet we continue to be stymied by a lack of protective personal equipment, PPE, and the cavalry does not appear to be coming. Our supply chain group has worked around the clock to secure gowns, gloves, face masks, goggles, face shields, and N95 respirators. 
These employees have adapted to a new normal, exploring every lead, no matter how unusual. Deals, some bizarre and convoluted, and many involving large sums of money, have dissolved at the last minute when we were outbid or outmuscled, sometimes by the federal government. Then we got lucky, but getting the supplies was not easy. A lead came from an acquaintance of a friend of a team member. After several hours of vetting, we grew confident of the broker's professional pedigree and the potential to secure a large shipment of free ply face masks and N95 respirators. The latter were KN95 respirators, which are N95s that were made in China. We received samples to confirm that they could be successfully fit tested. Despite having cleared this hurdle, we remain concerned that the samples might not be representative of the bulk of the products that we would be buying. Having acquired the requisite funds, more than five times the amount we would normally pay for a similar shipment, but still less than what was being requested by other brokers, we set the plan in motion. Three members of the supply chain team and a fit tester were flown to a small airport near an industrial warehouse in the Mid-Atlantic region. I arrived by car to make the final call on where to execute the deal. Two semi-trailer trucks, cleverly marked as food service vehicles, met us at the warehouse. When fully loaded, the trucks would take two distinct routes to map to Massachusetts to minimize the chances that their contents would be detained or redirected. Hours before our planned departure, we were told to expect only a quarter of our original order. We went anyway, since we desperately needed any supplies we could get. Upon arrival, we were jubilant to see pallets of KN95 respirators and face masks being unloaded. We opened several boxes, examined their contents, and hoped that this random sample would be representative of the entire shipment. Before we could send the funds by wire transfer, two Federal Bureau of Investigation agents arrived, showing their badges and started questioning me. No, this shipment was not headed for resale or the black market. The agents checked my credentials, and I tried to convince them that the shipment of PPE was bound for hospitals. After receiving my assurances and hearing about our health system's urgent needs, the agents let the boxes of equipment be released and loaded into the trucks. But I was soon shocked to learn that the Department of Homeland Security was still considering redirecting our PPE. Only some quick calls leading to intervention by our congressional representative prevented its seizure. I remained nervous and worried on the long drive back, feelings that did not abate until midnight, when I received the call that the PPE shipment was secured at our warehouse. This experience might have made for an entertaining tale at a cocktail party, but had the success of our mission not been so critical. Did I foresee, as a health system leader working in a rich, highly developed country with state-of-the-art science and technology and incredible talent, that my organization would ever be faced with such a a set of circumstances? Of course not. Yet, when encountering the severe constraints that attend this pandemic, we must leave no stone unturned to give our healthcare teams and our patients a fighting chance. This is the unfortunate reality we face in the time of COVID-19. And we're going to include the link in the show description so that you know we did not just make that shit up. Yeah. I mean, I... (laughs) 
uh, let me put it this way. I've seen less elaborate arrangements role-playing in Shadowrun for for guns, okay? (laughs) This makes Ocean's Eleven look like it was done by amateurs. Yes. And, I mean, the whole thing is just grotesque and concerning. Like, this is this is the stuff you would hear about sometimes during, like, the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, but that was mostly because of, well, you know, gangsterism, oligarchs, things like that. <coughs> and, and usually it was more concerning profit. Profit from you know, military goods from, you know, the uh, the sale and asset stripping of both light and heavy industry. Things like that. Like, this is... Uh, oh my god. It's like, I've kind of got a theory for why Trump is doing this shit. Because this is not an isolated case. There have been multiple reports of federal agents seizing shipments of protective equipment at the docks and seizing medical equipment to be transferred to the federal stockpile and gather dust or something. Um, I mean, when Gavin Newsom in California was like, oh yeah, we've secured a deal to get 200 million units of PPE. He didn't say who he made that deal with. I wouldn't be surprised if it was such a large number because they're expecting some of those shipments to be intercepted. Like there was even that shit where the French government called Trump a fucking pirate for seizing a shipment off a runway that was bound for the European Union in Thailand. Like this isn't like, this isn't new, but this Mm -hmm. is just further confirmation that Trump is Looking to, like, he's actively, there is no doubt that he is actively seizing supplies to be added to the federal stockpile. There's all kinds of evidence of this. There's no dispute here. But there really isn't anything that's come out yet. And, again, this is pure speculation. Like, I would like to absolutely guarantee that I have just finished off an entire fucking Chewy. So you can totally trust that I am like fucking off in the land of Hunter S. Thompson when I'm saying this, that I think Mm -hmm. he is doing this to create a reserve stockpile that will be distributed to the red states that are heavy Trump loyal states whose public health care systems have been rotting since they refused Medicare expansion funds under Obamacare. And he's going to use it to bail them out. And anything he has left is going to be used as coin for bribing the other states. That's honestly, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you've heard, of course, that Florida has basically gotten whatever the fuck they want. Um, like not two weeks ago, they were like, "Yeah, we're getting everything on our on our wish list," and then we got you know two more shipments of the same stuff. And like, I I can totally understand that because Florida is uniquely vulnerable, and part of the reason is 
uniquely vulnerable to these sorts of crises is I mean really Florida seems to just God's be uniquely fault. vulnerable to crises period but yeah I mean honestly as as someone who grew up in Florida look I am I am genuinely worried about that state because hurricane season is coming and a lot of the disaster plans that we implement in that state they rely on the fact that we can cram thousands of people into you know structurally robust facilities inland that we can displace people across state lines that we can you know evacuate a large portion of the 21 million people um wherever given fracture in, in the way of a hurricane that we can displace all of them successfully into safer locales like that that's how all of all disaster planning in florida is oriented around that COVID-19 completely blows all of that planning out of the water. And frankly, they could have, you know, like a Gavin Newsom running the place with, you know, a Democratic supermajority and all that, you know, full, perfect, technocrat, quasi-social democracy uh, democracy shit. And they would still have problems. With like a street left that regularly fights the cops to a bloody draw. Yeah, yeah. Like... If if Florida were like that, they would still struggle during hurricane season to keep social distancing up, to keep everyone safe. That there's a reason like Cannibal Corpse and Death Metal started in Florida. <laughs> yeah, like there is there there's a fucking reason um, that we we're so fucking hardcore, and it's like. I mean, even if the leadership are competent, and we know they're not, they're not. That's the thing. Yeah. And, like, and, te- and Texas every- is doing the same stupid shit that they're. The Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, has officially confirmed that Lieutenant Dan poli- Lieutenant Dan's policy of chucking old people on the Dow to make it happy is going to be Texas state policy by saying that we're the Texas is going to be reopening by next week. Never mind that there was never a statewide lockdown in the first place. And the only lockdowns that existed were at the municipal level in like Austin and Houston and the other like major metropolitan areas that are like, yeah, we uh, don't want to be breaking out the earth movers to dig out mass graves now. Yeah. Especially not in some of those places. I mean, like I said, it's gonna be hurricane season soon. Houston flooded the last time they had a hurricane. Like, no. And wildfire season in the American West. Like, everything west of the Rockies. Yeah, and I just. It's like. But it's in the middle of all this fucking shit. You've got regional blocks 
popping up in the U.S. in a way that's like, this is 1850s style shit here. This is like, you've got Trump in the White House going, we're going to reopen by May Day. No, we're going to reopen by Easter. No, we're going to reopen next week. No, actually, um, I am a sociopathic man child of the cocaine addiction. Why are you listening to me? Um, So instead, like, you're up to what? Six different regional blocks that are running around in the United States including what's going on in Tennessee. Like, you've got the Western states packed, which sounds like a military alliance already. Uh, California, Oregon, and Washington. And Nevada is sort of on the fence in some weird-ass, like, Fallout New Vegas kind of situation there. You've got the Regional Advisory Council, which is basically New York asserting its sovereignty over all of its rightful clay out to Delaware, Pennsylvania, and Massachusetts, um, with Boston, like, grudgingly accepting... Because, you know, that's what Boston has to do. And the Midwest Partnership, where, like, Detroit and Chicago have gone, yeah, this is ours, and hey, uh, Louisville and Columbus, could you jump in too? Um, Like, all over the Midwest. And then you've got, like, this sort of unofficial cooperation in the Rockies between, like, Utah and Colorado and New Mexico and Wyoming and Kansas and, like, Arizona's got this weird thing going on with Utah and New Mexico. And it's just, like... And all the major cities in Tennessee... And the Navajo Nation, it should be pointed out. Oh yeah, and the major cities in Tennessee are figuring out their own fucking policy independent of the government of the state of Tennessee. Of course. Of course they are. They pretty much have to. Nashville, Nashville as in the state government, is a barely responsive beast at the best of times. Uh, Oh yeah, and don't forget the D.C. metro area has also... Uh, declared their autonomy from Donald Trump's policies with the, like, coordination that's going on between D.C. itself, as in the city government of D.C., and the states of Maryland and Virginia, which, you know, at this point are both suburbs of Washington, D.C. So, you know, the capital itself is afraid of what the president's going to do. Yeah. Um, There's also a coordination body between Vermont, New Hampshire, and... Uh, and Maine, and there were four states that were approached by the Midwest Pact, um, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, um, Missouri, um, and they declined um, for now. Um, I say for now because... In a week, things may be totally different, but it's like... This is... What's really fucking weird about this is when you look at the map, the vast majority of the states that are in some kind of regional bloc are states that were on the side of the Union during the Civil War, and the ones that are not are listening to the federal government. Yeah. And... Like, what the hell? The, the writing team who came up with this crap needs to be fired. Like, when we, come up with, <laughs> when we come up with shit like this and throw it at the bots that's half as bad and five times as plausible, they go, does not compute. So what the hell? Yeah, I mean, it's like... Like, look, this whole show came about in part because of our shared love for for alternate history, for counterfactual history, you know, this 
which is, you know, half a writing genre, half a, you know, half a subdiscipline of history. And it's like, we, we have this thing about, you know, what's plausible and what's not. And if you had come up with half of this shit in 2020, they would have said, no, this is, most people who read alternate history who fancy themselves you know serious scholars that genre they would be like no that's totally implausible that can't possibly happen uh, this sounds like you you grabbed this from like some cyberpunk anime or something like come on if you walked into the same people at amazon who greenlit man in a high castle and pitched mm-hmm. this exact sequence of events, they would say, that's adorable, go back to writing school. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and... the people who could visualize the total impossibility of the Nazis and Imperial Japan actually winning the Second World War would be like, oh yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And yet, it's happening. Um, we have a saying in the community, um, reality it doesn't have to be plausible it just has to happen yeah i mean fucking mark twain said it like fiction has to be believable yeah reality just has to happen and there's nothing physically preventing any of this from happening like that's the thing yeah there's been like We've got situations where, like, it hasn't officially happened, but there's been quiet speculation that state guards and National Guard might be mobilized to protect medical equipment shipments from the feds. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what starts happening when Trump crosses too many people who still have, you know, an intact National Guard unit. And the federal (laughs) military is probably not going to reliably take anyone's side, especially after, like, the Teddy Roosevelt shit that happened. Oh, yeah. Like, like, this is... No. It's so utterly insane. It is... This is shit that in any other situation would be like this. You would see pundits going, this is a failed state that is on the brink of civil war if it was any other country. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is... And, I mean, I think it's true. I think we are a failed state. I think we've been a failed state for a long time. It's just that we've been able to paper over it. For long enough that people think oh yeah everything's still working when really <sighs> like we're already doing shit that under any other circumstances would have the world bank saying cut it out or i'm gonna whack your currency yeah that's pretty much it this uh and, and this now- is the sort of this is the sort of shit that would make the ecb go yeah no bend over yeah and and that's before even going into that you're literally getting regions of the country saying we are declaring autonomy which you know on paper and legally and in practice they have it's just that you have 
so many of these multi-state blocks that are actively saying we are going to defy the federal government on lockdown orders for the safety of our citizens is like yeah that this shit like the only possible like even like close parallel like not even close parallel like blah, 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 blah. like the only possible parallel to this is the shit where the south was perpetuating jim crow but this is like the absolute opposite of this if this is people going yeah we don't want to like fucking needlessly kill people and have people dying in the street and be digging out like mass graves on main street and everybody else and the dnc well, not even everybody else, but, like, Trump and the Republican Party and the DNC, let's not forget, are all saying either you need to throw yourself on the altar to die for capitalism or you need to cut your throat and die for capitalism like a good little worker that you are. Yeah. Yeah. They, these are the people we're dealing with. They don't have your best interests in mind. That's... That's something that I think a lot of people have been kind of slow to wake up to. Like, these people have never had your best interests in mind. Yeah, like, like even like even the state-level officials who are being more responsive to varying degrees with, like, the West Coast governors sort of setting the bar that everybody else is trying to jump at. Um, that, well, and Pritzker in Illinois, he's also, like, not doing terribly. Uh, he's actually doing better than like Cuomo, so that's something. Um, is yeah, but like the fact that you're having this kind of shit going down, that you're having these kind of declarations of we're gonna make our own policy on this and fuck you because we we actively don't want to kill people. Like some of them, maybe there is actually a degree of compassion involved, but for a lot of the others, I mean, you got to remember governors tend to be a lot less partisan than legislators because governors will get chucked out if they fuck up. Yeah. Like what was it you said during show prep? Like 26 um, states have like, they have laws that allow the recall of governors. We're going to have to invoke that on some of these people. Yeah, and governors are in a position, like state governors are in a position in the U.S., unlike members of Congress, particularly members of the House or members of state legislature, where in most states they get to draw their own district. They get to pick who's going to vote for them. So they don't really have to worry about that shit. They get to decide Mm -hmm. who's going to put them in office. Whereas like governors, they can be thrown out if there's a sufficient quantity of normally not politically active people going, dude, you killed my grandmother. Fuck you. Yeah. Or you yeah. killed my sister, or you your policies directly killed somebody I know. Like governors can actually be tossed out in a way that a lot of legislators can't. Yeah. Or even something as simple as I'm I'm gonna have scarred lungs for the rest of my fucking life and need a CPAP machine just to fucking sleep. Because of what you did. Because one of the things that we're learning is that quite a few of the survivors of COVID-19 who 
especially those who need, um, you know, full-on, you know, mechanical respiratory um, intervention, who, you know, need ventilators, basically. Like, even if you survive, your lungs are damaged. Um, if they... If they didn't do the intubation um, 100% correctly, because it's it's not easy. And there's not um, enough trained personnel. Right. Like, if they manage to screw it up in a minor way, you'll have complications from that. Um, and it's like, oh, oh my god, it's just we're going to have so many people with, you know, a COPD and, you know, other syn- oh, respiratory syndromes because this shit is not easy on your lungs at all. Yeah. This is going to cause the same kind of enduring health consequences that you, like, no shit saw after, like, the end of the First World War where you had people for life who were dealing with the after effects of being exposed to poison gas or you know people who partially recovered from polio or things like that people who are basically scarred forever because we don't have it's it's a novel they call it a novel coronavirus for a reason and that means that like we don't have a vaccine we don't have we don't have a good way to treat it. Uh, the only thing that's been really shown to work at this point is like an IL-6 inhibitor. And that's like $12,000 a dose. But they don't just hand that shit out. Yeah. And this is the There's kind no of... There's no treatment. Yeah. There's and, no cure. And, and of course, <laughs> you know, the markets are looking at this shit and they're responding, you know, predictably. In yeah. the usual, like, man the lifeboats, and I really don't care if I punt the women and children overboard along the way, because fuck that, I'm rich. Well, like, the biggest one that's happening in the market is the oil sausage grinder fest has finally stopped, at least officially. Yeah. OPEC Plus, which is basically the members of the oil petroleum exporting countries, and Russia, and a couple other big oil exporters came together in the past week and came and agreed to cut production. And what that means is under normal circumstances, what that means is there's less oil on the market, so oil becomes scarcer, so it becomes more expensive, and the price of oil starts to go back up. That's the theory. The problem is Saudi Arabia and Russia, who are two of the biggest producers on the planet, decided when this whole sausage grinding fest began to really go all fucking out in a stupid ass game of chicken to break the other side and now there's way more supply than anyone could consume under normal circumstances oh my god i just i don't know um like at this point like production cuts have to happen or you know there is no there is no oil production system. Um, you know, unless you're 
Unless your oil company is nationalized, then it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, Trump um, is even yeah. at the point of offering to pay oil companies in the U.S. not to drill. Yeah. Yeah, it's like those, those grain subsidies back in... Um... <laughs> During the Dust Bowl. Yeah. Like, we, we will pay you to stop fucking up your land. That's because that's what it took. That's yeah. what it fucking took. Except this time it's it's fucking oil. And And it's a face plant. Like the oil industry is plummeting. Because yeah. of like as as of time of recording, last week we were talking about the how there were oil producers who were genuinely expecting that the oil industry would be facing zero dollars a barrel. As of time of recording, the current price, this is after a few days of the OPEC plus deal being in place. The current per barrel price of crude oil is $15.30. What the fuck? It has not been this low in nominal value since the 1970s, and it has not been this low in terms of real value since the 1950s, except it's not the 1950s. The oil industry is operating in 2020, where the baseline production cost looks at $15 a barrel and says, that's adorable. How do you expect to break even on that bullshit? You don't. I mean, that's just it. You don't. And it's like, oil has a shelf life, unfortunately. And people aren't consuming enough of it. Like, this is a supply chain disruption. Um, It's not that much different from any other supply chain disruption, except this, this is being felt across an entire sector. And they are they are even less able to change course than like your average company pumping out like um, those shitty little um, MP4 players, you know, the kind you buy at the Dollar Tree. Yeah. And I mean, everything about this is, oh my God, it's just so fucked. It's so fifteen bucks a barrel. That's that is oil executives are learning to fly in Houston. That is just get the hell out of the market because there is no market anymore. That is like that is the ultimate trader's dilemma of what good is an asset if there's no market to sell it in. I mean, it's like soon. Eventually, you know, activity is going to have to resume and, you know, that's not going to help things. Like, the demand shock is so fucking extreme. Um, We have to emphasize this, that, like, when we're talking how bad this demand shock is the all the available estimates, like, at this point, the credible estimates for the impact of this downturn are at a 20 percent drop in one quarter and 20 yeah. percent is like 
That has never happened in American history. Even the Great Depression, when it was at its worst, was maybe 14% in one quarter. This is completely like we are in that part of the map that says here there be dragons yeah this is we are entirely in i i can't emphasize enough how 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 fucked this is i mean it's just nothing like this has ever happened before this is shit is totally like everybody's out to sea right now because we are in uncharted waters shit like this has not happened and i mean frankly i think that trump like this is bailing out the uh, trump bailing out the oil and gas industry that's completely unsurprising he'd have to do that I, it's um, the core of his supporters economies if he doesn't especially if shit's gonna go all like civil war on us then that means his core supporters are not gonna have any fucking money to pay their militias yeah although they'll have plenty of fuel for their jets but oh yeah no money to pay their pilots exactly they'll be like running on some like crazy ass like I don't know, like, loan-based weirdness of we're, we'll, we promise we will compensate you when the hostilities have ended. Kind of shit. <laughs> and so it's like... I'd like to talk a little bit about the... Um, I know we've been returning to this again and again during, like, earlier episodes... Um, about the impending iPhone crisis. Oh, yes. <laughs> Apple, so, like, really ate shit there, didn't they? Yeah, so what happened was, um, like, some of my predictions were wrong. They didn't have to punt it past this quarter. But they did that because they've decided to launch the phone by press release. The pre-orders started on Friday. Uh, the phone will be going on sale um, next Friday. This coming Friday, I should say. Um, now, keep in mind that a lot of the shipments and such that were supposed to happen were supposed to happen like two months ago. Um, you know, somewhere around there, like several weeks ago. Um, those shipments have now happened. They finally got enough inventory that they can launch. Um, because China is, China is recovering. Because, you know, China has, like, a government that's not trying to pick a fight with all the states and provinces of China. Yeah, like, you know, there's no, there's no more turf wars than usual, like, the idea that you know you would uh, that you would you know traffic and PPE in the way that you know the states have to here like that's that's the kind of shit that gets you slapped down from Beijing. Oh yeah, that like that's the kind of shit that's like 
you get to have a meeting with the Ministry for State Security, and that's the last time anyone ever heard from you. The end. <laughs> yeah, and then you make a very apologetic post on Weibo, um, detailing all your crimes, basically. That's okay. that's what it comes down to. <laughs> but they're um, like, they don't fuck around on that shit, so it's really like... I mean, they, I'll, it's I'll give them situation. that credit at least. Yeah, they, they can at least make the trains run on time. Sometimes. Maybe. Now, I will say that I don't think that they're going to be able to launch... Um, I don't think they'll be able to make the usual iPhone launch event uh, that normally happens in fall. Oh, yeah. Um, and the reason is, is that, see, the thing about the iPhone SE, it's being called the SE, it's not called the iPhone 9. <sighs> the reason that was able to go forward is because most of the components were being produced already. Uh, the rest um, basically either came out of um, existing phones, like... The major upgrade is that it has an A13 chip and not an A10. Um, or was it A11? Uh, pretty sure it was... Yeah. No. Um, shit. Uh, cut all this. Um, okay. Come on. Yeah, A11. Um... Like, the major upgrade was they replaced the A11 with the A13. And the A13 is a chip they actively make for all their other stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's something they can already, like, kind of work with. Yeah. So it's basically, you know, we can divert some of the supplies um, as long as we got, you know, the pick-and-place machines up and running for the new logic board then we can go ahead. The trouble is, is that we need to rehire a whole bunch of people after uh, the shutdown during um, Chinese New Year, which if you know anything about how electronics manufacturing works in China, you know that everything goes to hell in those two weeks. Um, it basically, the factory might be responding to queries a week after, um, production restarts two weeks after. Uh, that did not happen this time. Um, those schedules were massively blown out. So basically, the thing with the thing with the iPhone um, SE is most of the components, like I said, they're off the shelf. Uh, the few that aren't. Um, could be relatively easily swapped out. Um, and so, like I said, it's, you know, it's a matter of rehiring all the workers they need to make an iPhone happen. Um, am I saying that, like, the conditions were all that great? I'm not willing to go on the record saying that, um. But the fact of the matter is, is that the SE has been made, will be made. Uh, that that production line is now 
more or less back up to capacity. The real problem is, is this was a stealth launch. They didn't get to have their event. They released by a press release. Nobody has an NDA that they'll admit to, and nobody has a um, a review unit. Um, in theory, you know, you don't need a review unit unit because it's just you know an iPhone eight with a fancier chip. In theory. In practice, you know, it doesn't exactly work that way. Um, but it's like a lot of the media hype that they would normally be building, they can't build. Um, the big event they usually have at the Apple Store for trade-ins and um, new purchases isn't happening because all those stores are closed. Um, at the very least in the United States. So, I don't know how well this launch is going to work out for them. It'll probably work out fairly well because they were running out of iPhone 8s, so they finally did get a replacement in for the iPhone 8 SKU. But the real question is, are they going to be able to make their next launch of it? And I'm going to say no. Um... Not and part point. of the reason, yeah, not, uh, it's not necessarily their fault. It's that, you know, I, as I keep talking about, they have, well, the travel ban is still in fact. They haven't been able to get engineers over to start, um, to really get the production process going because all of this stuff has lead times. Um, they're doing 5G which is not something they've done before. Um, it requires, you know, a totally new handset design uh, because the antennas basically have to be... Um, they have to be on the outer shell of the phone body. Um, it's just... It's how millimeter wave technology works. Um, and so because of that problem... <laughs> Um, either they're going to have to eat shit on quality or they're not going to have their big event. They might have one like, you know, November, um, something that's, yeah, like a paper launch in November, a paper launch for the next gen, um, you know, AirPods that supposedly are going to have rebuildable parts, which fucking finally, yeah. but but it's not enough, it's, and it's... Yeah, yeah. And keep in mind, Apple's still doing okay. They're not doing great, but they're doing okay. And they're kind of a microcosm of everything that's happening in the sector. In Anyone who needs to ship from China at this point is going to be eating this shit. And that's anyone who's doing consumer goods of any kind. Any kind of, like, you know, you're doing a serious kind of manufacturing, then, yeah, this is you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's the iPhone update. <laughs> it's not good, people. It's not good. Like, they... Uh, yeah, Tim Cook goes and tells you that everything is fine, everything is working out, 
And I mean, in one respect, he might be right in a sense because he probably predicted that he was going to eat too much shit that quarter. Um, and events seem to have borne him out. Like, he ate some, but he's gonna have to eat a lot more because of this whole thing. Like, nobody has $400 laying around for a new budget iPhone. This is a situation that is, like, none of them are ready for this shit. None of them are prepared for something that's this massive. I mean, we're even seeing this with, like, Neiman Marcus has just announced that they will be filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're totally dead, but this is very much circling the drain hours. The vultures will be coming out in force. Yeah, like... The debt-laden Dallas-based company has been left a few options after the pandemic forced it to temporarily shut all 43 of its Neiman Marcus locations, roughly two dozen last call stores, and its two Bergdorf Goodman stores in New York. Um, they are in the final stages of negotiating a loan with its creditors, totaling hundreds of millions of dollars, which would sustain some of its operations during bankruptcy proceedings, according to the sources. They have also furloughed many of their 14,000 employees. Um, and oh god like this just just the beginning this is retailers are having to eat a raft of shit that they're not prepared to be eating yeah and part of it is check this shit out there some of this debt is the legacy of its six billion leverage buyout in 2013 by its owners private equity firm aries management corp and the canada pension plan investment board oh my god these are these are the people we're dealing with here because of course vulture capitalism is going to be involved in making shit worse because fucking private equity and all that crap can't miss an opportunity but like even as we're seeing that shit we've got some possibilities that are popping up in unexpected places um We've still got, I mean, nothing as big as, like, say, the the Whole Foods and the Instacart strikes. But yeah, we are still seeing, like, all kinds of shit that's happening out of labor, like, as far as what's facing frontline workers. Um, like, for sort of, like, a downside, which is one that also has huge implications, 100 Tyson... Um, workers, and those are people who work in meat packing with, like, particularly, like, you know, Tyson chickens, shit like that, were tested positive at a meat packing plant for COVID 19. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's, it's bad, folks. We hate to see it. And it's like, it's Georgia. They, those fucking, those fucking animals don't give half a shit about their workers. Yeah, it's it's all really like 
that's what is facing frontline workers is being constantly exposed and having to face these things and this is what these shits who are saying die for wall street are really saying is they're not expecting to do it they're expecting someone else to do it someone else who works for minimum wage or isn't white or doesn't go to the country club or doesn't hang out at the same fucking red lobster yeah like this is this is what they're talking about meat packers have to die so that they can get their mediocre chicken yeah like this is them saying fuck you i've got mine in the most obscene way possible yeah absolutely like i oh my god it's just everything about this is so fucked but it's but we do have one little bit of new good labor news um yeah and there's plenty of other things that are boiling under the surface so who knows by next week we're gonna be talking about the first american general strike um nudge nudge wink wink um is the uh workers for magic the gathering collectible card games uh their parent company is wizards of the coast have just received a big boost in support from bernie sanders for their union organizing efforts particularly for like storefront retail workers and that one's being spearheaded by the seiu um who've also been getting a bit out of their comfort zone and like normally they're a bit of a shit like their politics aren't the best when it comes to like labor. They're certainly not like the Teamsters rank and file or like say the Isle the, the Longshoremen. But you know, they're not complete. They they understand this thing called we need to do get way outside the box if we are going to have a chance at surviving in this world. Yeah. And I mean it's it's in some ways these are these are pretty exciting times like i guess everyone who picked interesting over good we're well we're getting that now and you know we gotta fight yeah we can't we're seeing 1930s levels of labor militancy here yeah I mean, here here's the thing, and I know that, like, you know, the collapse of the Bernie Sanders campaign has been, like, discussed to fucking death, but, I mean, it should have been obvious from the start that, you know, they were not just gonna give us the world we want. We're gonna have to take it for ourselves. Yeah, it was... Anyone who was paying attention to what was done to Corbyn in the UK, especially now that there's ample proof of the fuckery, like, oh, yeah, could have told you, or even looking at what happened to George McGovern, who was no radical back in 1972, like, this is not new for the, like, the Democratic Party insiders to go fuck you. We're going to absolutely ruin the party base. We will lose to this person we've been denouncing as being an absolute shitbird. Because we'd rather lose to him than have to work with these guys. Or uphold literally any fucking principle. I mean, 
a reminder that Biden's latest ad as of as of recording is basically this heavily xenophobic shit. It's amazing in just how fucking brazen it is. Yeah, it's he, like well, we said it. He's trying to out racist and out bloodthirsty Donald Trump. And it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work because one, the real monsters don't believe you. They they figure, you know, they'll get a better deal from Trump in that respect. You're not gonna turn out non voters with this shit. Because they don't care. Our faction has already given up on the whole thing. Like, you know, wake us if like, you know, both Biden and Trump drop dead or something. You know, some something that like actually stirs the race up and you know doesn't leave it as like this you know crap. a contest between two fucking senile racists and rapists yeah that's that's it's like who gives a shit who gives yeah. a shit because you know they've already told us you know fuck off and so they shouldn't be surprised that we're seeing okay okay yeah that's cool the, the real power's out in the street and in the workplace like we've been saying since like day one and that's where we can really make them squeal and that's where we can beat them and that's where we get what we want no matter the circumstances yeah. like the thing you gotta remember is like 69% of people were able to pay their April rent. And a large part of how you do something like that for those of our listeners who you know, haven't haven't lived that deep in hell world yet, or ever. Um, the way it works is like you sell off all your stuff, you leverage your car out to its eyeballs uh, with a title loan, um, you know, payday loans, all sorts of shit. And that might get you April's rent. It will not get you May's because that sort of trick only works once. And it won't and work. And we're really at a place where this shit is really not going to work twice. Oh, yeah. I I mean, at this point, we're in the political singularity right now. Because anyone who could confidently predict the future is quite simply lying to you at this point. Because all, all the there are so looks- many... Yeah, all there the people so many... that swore Trump couldn't win and Hillary Clinton was a shoe in yeah, they're already wrong. Yeah, they they run the country, and it's like the self delusion of the ruling class is something amazing to behold. Like some of these people are you know functional members of society most are not some of them realize that you know they're gonna have to do something about all this shit like the governors we talked about earlier in the show yeah 
most of these people, they have no fucking idea how to handle a crisis. Because we're seeing what they're doing. Like, there's and... one or two that are responding well. But it's... Yeah. It's like... If if you don't know instantly what your governor is up to as far as as far as this stuff goes and i i fully admit that like i don't even know what kate brown's up to like um, i know she's in the west coast pact but you know yeah which which speaks well of you know like you know that's at least she is taking this seriously. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, hardly anybody's getting tested. Um, the numbers on how many tests we can process is up, but it's not up by enough. Which is, you know, that's that's the crisis in a nutshell. Yeah. It's never enough. We're close, but we're not... So, I mean, that's what we're looking at. But we've got people that are pushing back. So, you know, just keep reaching out and keep doing that organizing thing. Because at the end of the day, yeah. that's all we got. Yeah, I mean, some people are kind of pessimistic that a general strike will work. Um, because, you know, money printer go burr. And money printer go like, burr means money is bullshit. So money isn't real, but it doesn't change that capital is a product of labor. I mean, it's like if nobody's producing goods, then like guess what? Like those those fucking rich ghouls, they're not going to have anything either. They're going to have to like. And figure out a way to fly in stuff for themselves. Oh, you know, figure out a way to replace the supply chain for themselves. And they could probably do it, but that's not that's not something that's gonna scale. And we all we all know what happens when people who aren't being fed, who are potentially dying of a, a fucking plague. <coughs> <coughs> I, I don't know how to how to tell you all the, uh, all this, but like the last time stuff like this happened, a lot of those ruling class people died. Like not in the United States, but like you know, governments have been overthrown for less. Like at some point, you know, like I'm not, I'm not advocating for anything either way and just stating the logic of how societies have worked since time immemorial if the if business as usual continues in this way if they try to pretend that everything is fine when nothing is fine then they should not be shocked when you know when <laughs> you know the Bastille, the Paris Commune, things like that. Um 
the 1917 revolution started out as a fucking bread riot. And then it became a bread insurrection. And then an uprising and then a revolution. And yeah, this is... They are pushing the limits of what anyone can take. And I realize that we are a very docile population, but... Well, I mean, the fact that you've got (laughs) 75% of the population consistently saying we support the lockdown orders says that, you know, people aren't that stupid. And even though you have these, like, astroturf groups coming out... This is the sum total of Trumpism's muscle. This is what these guys can really churn out. It really isn't actually that much. So, you know, it's... Things are looking bad, but we can get through this, and these guys are not as strong as they look. So... Yeah, I mean, it's like the Karen army is not invincible. Okay. So we've got. So I mean, just I guess that's leaving at us at yet again here at Chop Shop, where things like you know time limits don't apply. <laughs> keep talking I mean, to your mutual aid groups. Keep talking in, at your workplaces and in your unions, because that shit oh, works. Yeah. So, until next time. Keeping it real and reading that shit so you don't have to.